Third Shift presents The Imposter's Guide to Gaming, your quick fix for gaming news. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to IG2G. Are you ready for some more crazy action? It's me, Eric. I'm not Eric. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it's me, Matt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking opposite day here on IG2G, and together we got some awesome stuff for you. Matt's bringing back his indie game showcase, and me, Eric, I'm going to be talking all about Persona and stuff. So let's, let's see what's on the job. store shelves. Let's get the shit <laughs> going. Top five releases. First up, we've got Fade Stella, the Umbral Star. And now some of you are going, wait a minute, Eric. This game has been out a while on the PlayStation 4 and the Vita, man, and PC what the for hell, all those weird Eric? scrubs. Jeez, come on. I know, but hey, guess what? It was released on the Nintendo Switch as of July 25th, 2017. So I wanted to bring it up because, you know what? Switch is my little baby. You know, That's true. It's something I have my heart invested in. I want this to succeed. And uh, by succeeding, Exceed oh, has helped bring it over <laughs> to the Switch. Just going to shake yes. my head. I'm just shaking my head. Yes. Oh, it was good. Come on, Matt. Come on. Ooh. Give me a break. It was Ooh. developed by Marvelous Inc., but uh, Exceed helped, of course, get it over here and handle translation, things like that. So basically, in a nutshell, this is your typical JRPG, except for the fact that it's fighting is more like Dynasty Warriors. Oh, nice. So, yes, yes, yes. So you'll be fighting mass amounts of enemies, going all over, doing super huge, crazy, out-of-the-world combos, just hordes of enemies getting chopped down by you. But in between all that, it's it's got a nice JRPG kind of style going, a lot of uh, goofy anime tropes and stuff. It's a sci-fi game for those of you interested in it. But uh, very colorful. I heard it's fun. A little repetitiveness in the in the combat. But that's to be expected. It's a Dynasty Warriors type fighting style. That's yeah. kind of its mo. Uh, yeah. So all over the board, it's getting decent to pretty good scores. People are digging it, and especially digging it on the Switch because you know what? Right now, everybody's still kind of clamoring for more games, more things to come out for it, and it's that perfect to-go game if you're just chilling on the train, getting on the subway, whatever it is you're doing. So if it's something you sound interested in, you like anime people. This might be a game for you. And speaking of Switch games, I got another one for you, Eric. This one's called Overcooked Special Edition. And people will be like, what? That's been out on Xbox and PS4 forever. Well, this just dropped on the Switch on July 27th. For $19.99, this is developed by Ghost Town Games, published by Team 17 Digital. This is a really fun couch co-op game. I know a lot of games these days are all online only. You can only play online with your buddies. You can't play on the couch. So this is... It's the opposite of all that. Yeah, this is the opposite of all that. (laughs) You get to, you know, switch off your Joy-Cons, play with a buddy. Basically, the theme of it is you're two cooks or three or four running around in a kitchen trying to prepare different menu items, you know, taking food from one station to the other station, chop it up, bake it up, mix it up, all this other stuff. And from what I've seen, there's some really innovative stages in this. I think one of them that, I, that I've seen gameplay of was a pirate ship that kind of like breaks in half. So there's like two halves of the kitchen and you have to like throw the food over to the other side because that's where the fryer is or throw it over here because that's where the setup station is. You really got to coordinate and work with your buddies to get, you know, the orders out in time to get everything finished correctly. Just a lot of hectic, frantic fun. I think there's uh, like a snow DLC that's included in this game. I'm assuming mm-hmm. you're going to be sliding all over the kitchen, you know, missing all your stations, having a great, having a great old time. So just a good co-op game. 
game for anybody interested. You know? Yeah, fun, clean cut, you know, nothing violent, nothing crazy in here. You're just having fun, making crazy dishes, and uh, cooking up a storm. So if that sounds interesting to you and your couch co-op buddy, go ahead and grab this up. Or maybe your family, man, you know, play with your mom, your kids, your wife. Those would be your couch co-op buddies. I mean, That's right. Just saying, you know. Got to get that competitive spirit in with the family. Nothing's better than spanking your child because they beat you at a game overcooked. Or spanking your kid because she threw the, the apricot stew on the floor when she was supposed to put it in the pot. <laughs> yeah. no! All she, no! All you had to do was put it in the pot. Mm, mm, mm. That's all you had to do. Whoosh, pow. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Keeping with the spirit, I'm rolling into another Nintendo Switch title because, you know what, that's what we do around here apparently. <laughs> Released on July 28th, 2017, is the Namco Museum for the Nintendo Switch. This, of course, was developed by Namco. This game has Pac-Man, 1980 version, Galaga, Dig Dug, The Tower of Draga, Sky Kid, Rolling Thunder, Galaga 88, Splatterhouse, Rolling Thunder 2, Tank Force, and Pac-Man Versus from 2003. This is a pretty awesome setup, and... Several of those games sound awesome, but you know what? The only one I focused in on was Splatterhouse. Oh, there you go. I had Splatterhouse for the Sega Genesis a long time ago in a land far away, and I had played the holy bejesus out of this game. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so awesome. I'd played nothing like it up until that point. And I'm like, why am I being Jason in this crazy, just demented house of whores and evil? I don't understand what's happening. But, of course, it's not Jason. It's Rick, I think his name is, right? Something like that? Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. So you're just, dude's wife gets killed, it's brutal, oh my gosh. Oh, that's a spoiler alert. No, I don't think you find that out until part of the way through the game, I thought right? your girlfriend gets kidnapped, dude. It's just, Yeah, she gets kidnapped, but she gets killed. Well, like very at the very, very end, yeah. Is it at the end? Pretty sure. Okay, so oh, I hey, can't say, I don't hey, want spoilers sp- for like a 30-year-old spoiler game. Gee whiz, spoiler hold alert. on. <laughs> and also for the remake, but oops, nobody played that exactly. anyway. Exactly. No, gods, no. <laughs> but yeah. Good game, awesome game. Several on here that are freaking fun. I mean, who doesn't like Pac-Man? I know everybody says Miss Pac-Man is the is the go-to, but it, it's, I'll, hey, I'll settle for Pac-Man. It's kind of the special edition. The one that kind of perked my ears up was Rolling Thunder and Rolling Thunder 2. I never played those originals, but I played a knockoff that I believe was called Codename Viper on the NES, and then I saw footage of Rolling Thunder, and I was like, oh, that looks way more fun, and I've never got mm-hmm. a chance to play it myself, so that's pretty cool. Yep, and then, of course, Dig Dug. Who hey, doesn't like Dig Everybody Dug? loves the Dig that's, Dug. That's a staple. But as we just stated, like several games in here that are just go-to fun times. It's on the Switch. So once again, you can take it anywhere you're at. If you got 10 minutes to play a game while you're waiting for your dumb friend who can't seem to ever be on time, you pop this out, play around to a Pac-Man, and you don't even care anymore. Exactly. It's good stuff. It's a win-win scenario. If that sounds interesting to you, check it out because it's out now. Next up, we got Tacoma that dropped on the 1st of August for Xbox One and PC. So get your damn Switch and throw it in the garbage because we got a real game coming up. Oh, come on. Oh, (laughs) yeah. This is 1999. Again, Xbox One and PC, developed and published by Fulbright, who are the team that brought you Gone Home. This is, hey, it's another exploration-slash-narrative-driven game. Apparently, you're on a deserted space station trying to figure out what happened. You've been sent in to, I believe it's like, download the computer logs. And while you're doing that, you can go around with an augmented reality device that pops up like basically little ghosts of all the crew members and what they were doing. So you can follow them around. You can figure out puzzles. You can figure out what happened on the space station. Or, interestingly enough, I did just see an article on Kotaku that since you're just there to download stuff, you can basically just go up and go, boop, 
start the download, and then sit for like three hours. And it goes, pitching. Oh, start the next one. Pitching. Start the next one. Pitching. And just do nothing and not actually explore the space station and still beat the game. And I'm, you know, obviously you won't understand anything, but I thought that was kind of a, a clever little thing that they threw in there. Just, hey, here's a little bonus if you just want to be a boring, stupid person who's just there to do the job. Yeah, here you go. Or just get the trophy, man. Yeah, I guess that's true. You click the button, you go out to dinner, have some fun with friends, come back, click it again, go to bed, wake up, click it again. Although they did say that there's no specific trophy for doing it that way. They said they were talking about doing that, but they were like, ah, it wouldn't be fair to just make people idle their game for like nine hours just to do that. So you'll probably get the trophy for completing the game, but there's no specific one for doing it that way. But from what I've been hearing, people have been saying this is a really you know, interesting, immersive game. They really like, you know... Not really interacting with the, you know, after images of the crew, but they like the stories that are told in there. They like following from room to room, figuring out ways to unlock the different rooms so you can follow them as they go from room to room. Just, uh, like I said, exploration, narrative game. If that sounds like it's up your alley, hey, go nuts, man. So last but not least, we got Lawbreakers. This is dropping on the 8th of August for PS4 and PC. So again, take your Switch out of the garbage and put it in the garbage disposal and just grind it up because you're not going to be playing Lawbreakers on that piece of junk. That's not a piece of junk, sir. You need to stop right now. <laughs> I like the sad face you're making every time I say that. <laughs> but this is dropping for $29.99. I believe there is going to be a limited physical run of this brought to you by limited run games but everything i've seen other than that it's all just download only online only this is developed by boss key productions which is the team that cliffy b founded after he left epic games published by nexon from what i can tell this is just an online multiplayer only hero shooter first person hero shooter basically in the lines of like an Overwatch, a Paragon, something like that. I don't think there's any PvE in here, but you get nine different classes on two different sides of a conflict, and you get all kinds of crazy abilities, all kinds of crazy powers. I think there's four different distinct gameplay modes, like, you know, capture the flag, defend the point, etc., etc., etc. The gameplay trailers I've seen, it's all about, like, high-flying, jumping, swooping action, like all kinds of just in-the-air acrobatics craziness. So if you're a big twitch gamer and you really like hero shooters like i said like overwatch or paragon go ahead and grab this up and uh, have yourself a blast killing people and capturing flags now let's see what we're talking about this week number five so the first one today matt is going to be a interesting game called sundered Mm -hmm. this game was developed and published by thunder lotus games it uh, was released on July 28, 2017, and is for the Windows, Mac, Linux, and, of course, PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4 is the only one I really care about, of course, right, Matt? That's right. <laughs> Anything that's an Xbox or a Switch, take it out of no. the garbage disposal. I knew you were going to go Flush it down the again. toilet. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> so it's a Metroidvania-type game, and, of course, everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. Side-scrolling, going on an open-world artwork all you know hand drawn done up it's and by the way it's gorgeous gorgeous artwork it is absolutely beautiful i had never heard about this until a game you know developer that i follow on twitter tweeted out like hey look this launched today congratulations to those guys and they had like a it was like a five second gif of you know a little character attacking this giant boss and it reacting like breathing fire and i was like holy crap that is probably the most beautiful thing i've seen in a long time Mm-hmm. It takes a uh, 
a kind of a farther back approach though. It's not uh, the character, the sprite isn't like way up and in your face. Yeah. You kind of get to see a nice large chunk of the uh, screen that you're traversing, and it takes a lot of inspiration from H.P. Lovecraft. So if you don't know, he's got the Cthulhu, Norlathrolflarps, the you know all the weird, crazy demons and devils yeah. that hide in the shadows. These elder gods, ancient gods. So it looks like the main protagonist is like being tormented and trying to be captured or taken by these these ancient entities, and of course is fighting back and going through the world. And you're trying to get abilities, to power up, just like you would in a normal Metroid type game. And then traverse the area. Now, what I've seen, and I, I don't know this 100%, but what I've heard people talking about is because it's got that, like, corruption aspect to it, the things mm-hmm. that you power up, you can get, like, light side powers or dark side powers, like corruption powers or, like, you know, I wouldn't say holy, but, you know, bright, shiny, happy stuff. I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but that's kind of the, the vibe that I've gotten anyway. That You can go down this corruption dark path or the, you know, the, the good path. Yeah, I think one side of it, she gives up humanity to get like the darker powers or whatever, yeah. and then vice versa. But it looks like a ton of fun. It's a gorgeous game. It's getting good reviews all over the place. People are saying to get out there, check it out. So I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, Matt. Now, I will say the one negative review I've seen of it from a channel called Super Bunny Hop on YouTube, give them a little Uh-oh. plug because they do generally good stuff. The one thing I've seen in that review, he said that the enemy spawns are just absolutely merciless. Like as soon as you chop down two, like three more will spawn in their place. So he finds it really hard to explore and you know appreciate the art style because you're constantly jumping and dipping and dodging and ducking and diving to get away from the enemy fire and to take them out in what looks like a pretty smooth combat system. Don't get me wrong. But he's saying that some some points of the game, at least, there's just so many damn enemies that you just, it's all you can do to just survive. I actually I heard the exact same thing that it was a bit overwhelming. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't stop. You're not able to just take it in. It's always an enemy coming at you or more multiple enemies, like you said. And there are different endings to the game as well. Okay. Apparently, I think it's uh, depending on how many elder shards you consume, which I think are the things that like strip away what makes you you. Depending on how many of those you use to get to the end of the game, depends on your ending. So I'm assuming the less you consume of those, probably the better the ending. I would assume. Since it sounds a a negative thing that you got to use those, but I wouldn't know for sure. Or (laughs) since it's Lovecraftian, maybe the more you get, the more you can survive and get a better ending. And maybe become like an ancient god yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Versus, oh, I'm not going to do all that stuff. Well, the ancient ones are just too damn powerful and they overran the world. Oh, well, you couldn't stop them. Well, hopefully you guys think that's pretty cool and want to check it out. Go to the Underworld, see some ancient gods and all sorts of crazy things. Heck yeah. Sounds like a ton of fun. Maybe I'll check it out as well. Except probably not. (laughs) Eric never gets to play any games. I just don't get to play any of these games. (laughs) Number four. So next up, we got our first ever IG2G exclusive mailbag entry. It's again from our buddy Sean Haggerty at 10K Beers on Twitter. If you don't know, how could you not know? You're listening to our show. Anyway, he says, hey guys, loving the show. Well, thanks, Sean. You're awesome. Hey, thank you, buddy. You almost have me sold on pre-ordering Destiny 2. Almost. Boo, Destiny 2. No, See? just See? get it. You it didn't got, even. It got mentioned on the damn it. show, and it wasn't even a topic. Boo. You didn't even try it. Boo. <laughs> he continues 
You wanted to know what I was excited about at SDCC? I'm thrilled about Telltale Games announcing sequels to my two favorite titles in their library, Batman The Enemy Within and Wolf Among Us Season 2. I'm a huge comic book fan, and both of these worlds are great fun for me. Did either of you play the first games, or are you currently playing the Guardians of the Galaxy game? I remember Matt mentioning that he was playing the Game of Thrones game, and I know that both of you played the Borderlands game. Anyways, I really dig the games that Telltale puts out. Keep up the great work. So we'll dive into a little bit of Telltale discussion. What games have you played? What'd you like about them? What'd you not like about them? Do you, have you any interest in these new seasons? Just a quick little free-for-all discussion here, Eric. What do you think? Oh, goodness. Well, my Telltale history, real fast, is uh, the first season of uh, Walking Dead. And then, of course, I played Tales from the Borderlands. Mm -hmm. And I started A Wolf Among Us, but never finished it. So that's it. That's all I've played from the series. So (laughs) I'm a little behind the times. So to answer your question, Sean, no, I have not played through Wolf Among Us, nor have I played the Batman series, although all I hear is nothing but high praise for the Batman series. Yep. So if I do get in on any of them, it'll probably be those, even though I do own the Game of Thrones Telltale series. I've just... I don't... Because I know what happens to all these characters. No, you I, don't I know what happens to all of them. I guarantee you that. I'm not going to say anything, but... <laughs> Some characters actually might live if you play your cards right. <laughs> oh, I wonder if they'll make an appearance in the show later on. Nope. See, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so who knows? But I do appreciate Telltale. I love uh, the style that they give out. Although sometimes it can become a little tedious having to go around and click on every single item to make sure I'm not missing anything, trying to get, of course, the best you know options at my disposal for any given ev- event or situation. But, uh, I don't know, I'd be interested to check them out. I just, once again, as always with me, time, 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 time. Yeah, true. As far as me, the games I've played, Walking Dead Season 1 plus the 400 Days DLC, Walking Dead Season 2, Borderlands, Game of Thrones, Played through all of those. I haven't played Wolf Among Us Season 1 just because when it was first announced, it didn't really appeal to me at all. It was just, hey, look, you know, the hey, we're fantasy characters brought into the real world, and now there's sex and violence and rape and murder. And I was just like, eh, I don't need, like, grown-up fantasy, blah, blah, blah. So what I was doing with that was watching somebody play through it on YouTube. And I think they got to the point where, what is it, like Bloody Mary shows up and wrecks house, and I was like, Okay, this just got really good right now. So I put off on I, I put it on hold and I was like, all right, sometime when I see the series on sale, I'm gonna get it. Because that's what I do with the Telltale games. I I wait until the whole season's out, get it all at a discount, play through it, marathon it over a week or a weekend or something. So I am interested in it. I've been meaning to talk about the Telltale games more on the show, but every time it comes up in the news, I'm like, hey, look, season twos. All right, I'm gonna put that on IG2G and I never make a note of it, and then by the time Showtime comes around, I've forgotten all about it. So I'm interested in Wolf Among Us Season 1 and 2, Batman Season 1 and 2. I'm, again, interested in the Guardians of the Galaxy one as well, just because because of the movies, it's a property that I'm interested in now. So once they have you know big sales on complete seasons for those, I'll probably grab them all up and marathon them, like I said, over a week or over a weekend, have some fun with those. My only issue with those games is... Th- the, you know, the action stuff. I love going around and clicking on every single thing and hearing the character talk about every single thing there is. But once it gets to, oh, look, it's a sword fight. Okay, well, press X. Press circle. You did it. It's really (laughs) underwhelming. Uh, Unfortunately, that is true. (laughs) 
my only other beef with it is Walking Dead season one had this really like kind of minimalist, really clean art aesthetic as far as like the button prompts and everything. And then once Wolf Among Us season two came out, they got big and huge and chunky and ugly. And I thought, well, it works with the, you know, the art style for Wolf Among Us. But then they put it into Walking Dead season two and into Game of Thrones and into Tales from the Borderlands. And it's just this big, like rough looking interface. And like, like I said, the quick time events, the buttons are like giant and huge and blocky. Mm-hmm. It just, it just really kind of puts me off when I see that. But I mean, that's kind of a nitpick, but it's my only real thing that I, when I'm playing the game, I go, ugh, I don't like this. Those are the only two things. Otherwise, I've loved all the writing. You know, the graphics are good. The stories are generally pretty darn good. But uh, other than that, I'm excited for new seasons as soon as I can get them all at once and get my hands on them. You go, Telltale. That's right. And thanks for writing in, Sean. You're the best, buddy. And if anybody else wants to write us a question, stick around to the end of the episode. I'll tell you all about how you can do that. Number three. Up next, we got another indie title that was pretty darn interesting. I thought I'd bring it up because you know what? Everybody's talking about it. It's all over the place. It's one of those, don't sleep on this game. Blah, 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 blah. All those good, good, you know, pulse words you hear out there. <laughs> I, I hadn't even heard about this until we were prepping for the show. So apparently I am actively sleeping on this game. You are. When, you know what? This will be your wake-up call, Matt. This will be the wake-up call. Wake up! Wake up! The name of the game is Pyre, and it was developed by Supergiant Games for Microsoft Windows, Linux, Mac OS, and the PlayStation 4. It was released on July 25th, 2017. So this game is a strange game because, as everyone will tell you, it's like NBA Jam meets action role-playing adventure. All right? <laughs> I'm sold already. I'm sold. (laughs) In a nutshell, it comes down to you being this character who gets exiled from this place called the Commonwealth, where like people of you know rapport live, and they've thrown you out and put you in this purgatory and exhalation or what. I don't. I'm I'm not clear on whether it's actually like an underworld type thing or if it's just you get thrown out this weird desert that they call the purgatory. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's just like some weird random desert that's called purgatory. And once you get out there, you're met up by you know a few other characters, three other characters, and they're like, "Hey, you're gonna join our team, and we're gonna get cleansed." You know, woohoo! So you find out to get cleansed, you've got to compete in this arena type event, which here comes the NBA Jam part, where you and your teammates take this ball, this orb, and you have to go score on the other team, dunk on the other team's little orb spot. You know. So you're taking it, and you got to use your character's abilities. Some are slow, high damage. Some are nimble but have low HP. You know, you get the drift here. You yeah. pass it to one another, and then you get it down court using your abilities, which some characters like have the ability to throw out like this uh, energy wave, which will you know knock the ball out of the enemy's hands and, of course, do damage. And then you got to grab the ball, get it down, that sort of thing. You also have auroras around you. So, you, like, if you get it within the aurora of that other character, so basically if you just run up to them, It'll hit them and knock the ball out of their hand. So okay. you're running around trying to hit the other characters, knock the ball out of their hands, do all these little cool play tricks using abilities to get it dunked into the other team's goal. Once you score enough points, you win the game, and guess what? You're you know you you go oh yay we're better we're better and you want to. The basics of the game is to play enough of these games against other players, proceed through the story of course, and then find your way back into the Commonwealth. 
and along the way you'll get new players and then get rid of existing players some because you know you lose them because you don't make the right choices you don't include them in on your team enough they leave some will ask you to leave thinking they have better chances elsewhere that mm-hmm. sort of thing and it's up to you to allow them to go so it's kind of one of them cool tell your own adventure kind of deals yep build yep so Looks like a lot of fun. It's something, you know, at first when I was listening to other podcasts and things, I was just like, eh, whatever. I don't know what NBA Jam is. I don't play that game. That sounds What's R1, bud? What's R1, bud? Yeah, what's R1, bud? I don't know. Ridiculous. (laughs) But then I was like, you know what? Let me go take a peek at this. The artwork is really, really good. The music is fantastic. It's just kind of got me interested where I'm like, oh, man. Mm. Everyone's telling me not to sleep on this. Ah, it's a cheap game. I think it's like 20 bucks. That's not bad. Yeah, I'm like, man, maybe I'm going to have to check this out. So if it's something you haven't seen yet, especially you, Matt, you might want to go take a peek. The one thing I've seen about this is a screenshot of a dog with a fake mustache asking, how does my fake mustache look? And you can tell him, great, (laughs) no comment, or take that crap off, you look terrible. So I'm already sold. You told me NBA Jam and a dog with a fake mustache. I'm buying it right now. I'm not even going to do the rest of the show. See you later, guys. Don't even do it. Just go. Enjoy. Tell me how it is. Maybe I can like, get on your profile and play it. Appreciate that. So I was correct, boys and girls. It is 1999. I'm not a liar. So get out there and check it out because who didn't love NBA Jam and who doesn't love high fantasy? Boom. Number two. All right, fine. Eric pulled me away from a talking dog with a fake mustache. That's to right. this next stupid number two. Ah, here I am <sighs> with my dumb indie game showcase, whatever. I just want to play basketball with a talking dog. I think that's what we've done all day, okay? <laughs> indie, 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 sundered, indie, pyre, indie. <laughs> but this because is they're like releasing super... good games, man. Oh, you're going like real indie, like straight well, up. Well, I mean, it's, it's fair indie. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree. There's been a ton of good indie games lately. And this apparently is going to continue the trend. I got a little two-pack for you guys. Games all about trust and honesty and lying and cheating, all kinds of crazy stuff. So first up, Ooh. we got Little Red Lie by Will O'Neill. This is $9.99 for PC. It's on Steam right now. I first noticed this game just because I was sitting bored at work at 3 in the morning, and I'm going, hmm, what's trending on Twitter? Huh, gaming, Little Red Lie, what's that about? And they described it as a game all about millennials and poverty. And I went, hmm, that's kind of weird. And I flipped through people's responses on the, on the Twitter moment and just going, oh, my gosh, it's so great. Oh, this is so me. Oh, this is my jam. And I went, well, that doesn't tell me anything. But then I researched it a little bit more, and it is a game all about money. You play as two different characters, one who is a you know an office worker who lives with her parents who doesn't have a lot of money and just lost her job. The other character is like a big... You know, big money bags, motivational speaker, author, and like rolling in money, but as a total douchebag. So you're playing on two different opposite ends of the spectrum. The game is all about money, but it says in the title, Little Red Lie, lying is a very integral part of this game. It's actually the only way you can interact with anything. Like if you go up to, you know, some of the gameplay trailers I've seen, you go up to a person. It doesn't say, talk to Steve. It says, lie about how happy you are to be here. So you just are flat out lying to people, lying to other people, lying to yourself about why you're doing things. And it's a narrative game, so you're going around, there's lots of dialogue, you're talking to a lot of people. You know, your dialogue comes out as white text on the screen, but everything that's a lie is in red. So I thought that was a really interesting touch, like, oh, I'm going to have this big story segment with you, but everything I say is going to be a lie. I like that. This is my kind of world. Exactly. You're really getting into your character's head and... 
you know, you could read it, read the story just for what it is, but knowing that you're lying about this, that, the other thing, or, hey, here's a question, blah, 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 and your only response is, lie about this, you know, feign interest in that. I just thought that was really interesting. Can the characters you're interacting with tell that you're lying at all, or is this literally just you going through, just telling the lies, and then the narrative just goes along with it? I would assume that at least some of them are going to call you out, but I haven't I haven't played it myself, mm-hmm. so I'm not 100% sure. Gotcha. But, but I did notice that one person's negative thing on it was there's some points where you have like three different dialogue options, and no matter which one you pick, it eventually goes. You know, the story progresses the same way eventually. Mm-hmm. So it might just be kind of inner monologue stuff versus, you know, not an actual decision. Like all the Telltale games. Sure. No matter what happens, you're getting to that same ending. It's just some of the dialogue and characters in between could change a little bit. In certain situations, yeah. Yeah, because I just thought that'd be really interesting because if you're a good liar, you know that you have to be very creative with your lies and put, mm-hmm. you know, as we always say, you got to put some truth in there. You got to make sure it's backed up by a fact or two here or there. And then that would help make the game even more interesting because the d- degree of the lie you tell could dictate how the story plays out. I don't think it goes entirely that deep, but uh, again, something interesting to think about. And maybe it does. I don't know. But it doesn't seem that way on the surface. Anyway. Gotcha. I, I just play the game in real life. I don't need a video game. That's right. <laughs> hey, Bob, great to see you. Oh, exactly. that was a lie. <laughs> So if that sounds interesting to you guys, go grab it up on Steam. It's on sale for $9.99 right now. Everybody's been ranting and raving all about this game, saying it's really great. Now, the second part of my two-pack, it's not really a game. It's been presented as an uh, like an interactive presentation. It's called The Evolution of Trust by a guy named Nikki Case. This is like a browser-based game-slash-interactive presentation that uses game theory to explore trust issues and whether to cooperate with people or cheat them. The basic setup of it is it's kind of a spin on the prisoner's dilemma where you got two people on different sides of a machine and if you both put a coin in, you'll both get two out. Whereas if one person puts a coin in and the other person doesn't, the person who didn't will get three coins, the other person will get nothing. And if you both don't put a coin in, you both don't get anything. The base setup is it has you play through five rounds against five different people of different mindsets, people who always want to cooperate, always want to cheat, kind of, and then ones that are kind of in between, trying to figure out what what you're going to do, what they should do, et cetera, et cetera. And then it shows you how that works in the short term, and then it shows you how it works in the long term. Because as it progresses, you know, you do those five rounds with those five people, you figure out which is the best, and then it has a simulation where they all play against each other for five rounds apiece, 10 rounds a piece, 100 rounds a piece, and then it builds the simulation out further and further and further. And you see how people who are cooperative, who cheat, and who you know play somewhere in the middle really work together and or dominate the population as far as winning. The really interesting part is later on, there's a character in there who will only cheat you if you cheat it. So it will like start burning you if you burn the bridge first. And I really thought that and the later stuff was really interesting but the very first part where you're playing just blind against these five people was also really interesting. It let me look at how I react to certain things because, you know, they have random personalities that you don't understand yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll cooperate first. Oh, he gypped me? Oh, well, screw him the yep. whole rest of the way. And then he's feeding him in because he's like, well, I did it once and now I feel bad about it. So here I'm, I'm cooperating and then I'm just stealing all the coins from him. Or, you know, well, that guy screwed me, so... 
Should I even be nice to this person? I don't even know. Uh, let's see. In my head, from what you're explaining, this one seems a lot more complicated, too, than the other one. Like I said, it's not really a game so much. It's more of like a look at yourself and look at the way society works kind mm-hmm. of thing. There is a big message behind it, which you can kind of obviously understand if you listen to what I just said. Yeah. I just really enjoyed that first bit where you could look at yourself and the way that you act and what your proclivities are and then see how that expands into a society via these other giant simulations. So really interesting stuff. That's totally free. You can play that in your browser right now. It's called The Evolution of Trust by a guy named Nikki Case. And if you Google that, it'll take you to his website. And he's got all kinds of really interesting stuff on there, society-based stuff, real-life-based stuff, really kind of deep things. So go check that out. Check out Little Red Lie if you want some lying, some honesty, some cheating, some cooperation, all kinds of good stuff there. Yeah, I want to check that out, actually, now that you said that. Then you just open my eyes, Matt, and that'd be fun to go take a peek at. There we go. Number one. So over the last two weeks, Atlas went ahead and had themselves a little get-together, hoo-ha, and said, hey, everybody. A little persona party, you might say. Well, maybe a little persona party, a little dance party. <laughs> Whoa. I'm doing disco moves mm-hmm. right now. Looking good. Except looking I have a microphone for my face, so I can't really do it. Yeah, I like it. God bless. Don't ever do that again, Matt, please. Oh, nope. <laughs> do it again. Yes. Oh, no, here it is. Now I just got to dance through this whole topic. Right. It's like I had to leave the other one. All right, uh, gosh dang it. Uh, I'll just do this uh, anyway. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, at their uh, little say who, say ha, what do they call those things? Little... Uh, presentation? God, why? Okay. I, don't, I wasn't, wasn't going to use pres- live stream. Press conference? Live stream. Ah, okay. So at their most recent live stream, they went ahead and announced a few things. Some interest me more than others, but uh, I'll go ahead and say what all of them are, and then we can kind of talk about it and why we feel the way we do, Matt, okay? Cool beans. Because feelings are important. That's right. So they went ahead and announced that they've got two new Persona titles coming next year. These are Persona 3, The Dancing Moon Knight, and Persona 5, Dancing Star Knight. Both are scheduled to be released in the spring of 2018 for the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita, but that's in Japan. As far as I know, there's nothing announced for if and when they're coming to America. Typically, it ends up being like a year later. So, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we might be waiting forever for those. However, they also announced something that's even more important for me, for sure, is that they're going to be releasing another game for the 3DS called Persona Q2. And they said it's likely a a, uh, sequel to Persona Q, Shadow of the Labyrinth, which came out way, way back in 2014, you know, the the olden days. And that game, Matt, you said you've actually had on your wish list for a while. So before we jump into the dance ones and everything else, you know, what the hell is Persona Q? Persona Q is a Persona mashup dungeon crawler. Basically, it takes the cast of Persona 3 and Persona 4, and I'm not 100% sure if it uses every single one of them or if it's just, you know, fan-favorite characters mashed together, and they're going through a dungeon crawl, I'm assuming trying to figure out a mystery because that's what you generally do in the Persona games. But I've heard it's a really cool, you know, like I said, first-person dungeon crawler using all the good char- all the characters you remember from both of those games. Really fun stuff. It's really got a cute, you know, graphic style. I think they're kind of like little chibi versions of each other because it's on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. it's going to be chibi style. Well, what's amusing about that is that they actually started up a website for the Q2. And when mm. you go to it, it says, take your heart. And it's got uh, the little oh, cool yeah. top hat and the eye and the flame, just like Persona 5. So, of course, mm-hmm. we can, you know, 
basically know for certain that this is going to have Persona 5's characters in this one. Oh, yes. Which I'm super excited about because both of us have fallen in love with Persona. I'm still mm. in the midst of beating this game almost a year <laughs> later. We're, you know, we're getting I don't there. think you're in the midst of it. I think you're still struggling to beat it. Oh, come on. I'm at the end. I'm close. No, how many? What dungeon are you on? Uh, the casino. You still got like three more left, dude. You got forever to go. Oh, my God. Like- 100 hours <laughs> into this game, and I, I still have three more dungeons. Well, see, that's what confuses me. I beat the ship dungeon, and I was at 100 hours there. So I think you're just taking like super bunches of time grinding in mementos. Grinding, I, grinding, I grinding am. In like a I've grind. been just grinding away. I'm overpowered for where I'm at. So yeah. I'm getting no challenge out of the dungeons when I go to them, but that's my uh-huh. style. That's typically the way I like it. I don't like getting yeah, aggravated and stressful, so I, I typically will go to like the side quests, like you said, mementos, dungeons, and just mm-hmm. go grind and kill time. Well, see, that's another thing is I think they did a pretty good job, at least in the main dungeons, of if you just kill every enemy on your way, you're at least... I was never really frustrated going through the bosses or anything. Mm-hmm. I I ended up feeling a little bit overpowered, but I think that was also due to the personas that I had equipped because I fused up a bunch of really resistant personas and then whatever boss. Oh, look, it's a really physical, heavy boss. All right, let me put on my one that's immune to physical attacks. And away you went. Exactly. Mm -hmm. See, I'm just playing the alternate reality on that. It's just I'm so powerful myself that it doesn't matter what I have. I'm a stomping face. Mm -hmm. So side note, fun times. Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, as you guys can hear and you've heard before on this show, we love this game. And mm. I've never played a Persona before Persona 5. I've yeah. always looked at it and said, oh, man, this is super Japanese. You know, a little too far for me, I think. I'm not interested. I was wrong, and I'm sad mm-hmm. that I missed out on Persona 3 and 4. I don't know about the Persona 1 and 2. All I ever hear is about everybody talking about 3 and 4. So those two for certain, I really wish I could get my hands on, but I'm not buying a Vita and, I, and mm. I think I sold my PlayStation 3 and my PlayStation 2. God only knows if it works. <laughs> I was going to say, they're both on 2. Okay, so. I wasn't sure if 4 was on. Didn't they get a special edition on PlayStation 3? Nope. No? That was only the uh, the fighter and the dance. Oh, wow. So they came out on 2 and then the Vita got that special golden edition, yep. right? Okay. The Vita, the Vita got special editions of both, actually. Man, stinking Vita. Gosh. I think 3 was on PSP, actually. Anyway, so yeah. yeah. The, no real modern consoles other than the Vita you can play those on. But I've only heard good stuff about them. What's fascinating to me is that before this, I've never played any other Personas, like I said, until now. And then Atlas goes ahead and says, hey, we're going to be releasing Persona Dance, you know, for the... And I'm like, normally you would never catch me caring at all about no dance game. Yep. But because it's Persona now, I'm like, oh! I want to see it. What's it all about? Uh-huh. Is this going to be cool or not? I don't know. Maybe I'll have to check it out because I love my characters in Persona mm-hmm. 5. And I'm like, well, if I love them, maybe I'm going to love this. You know. So now I'm willing to give this game a chance because of how awesome their other game, Persona 5, is. And from what I've heard, it is going to be awesome and you will love it. Just from what I've heard about Persona 4 and the couple reviews that I've seen of it, it's not just a dance game like you know, a DDR or whatever, it actually does have a story with those same characters. I think Persona 4 is, you know, your whole team gets sucked into another realm or dimension or something, and you're up against, like, a rival dance team. And so the story, you know, you still have, you know, monsters and demons and stuff that you're trying to 
battle off or, you know, like dance away mm-hmm. big hordes of them or, or something. But it does have an actual story with voice acting and characters and all kinds of other good stuff. So like you said, or like you implied, as soon as that Persona 5 one comes out, I'm going to get it because as soon as I was done with Persona 5, I wanted more Persona 5. I wanted those characters with me all the time. So this is just going to be another chance for me to dive into that universe, roll around in, oh, going to be hanging out with Ryuji and Anne and Makoto and spoiler, spoiler, spoiler characters. Oh, man, it's going to be so good. Yeah, so there's the dance one and then, of course, that 3DS one, which for sure is going to be awesome because you're just going into dungeon mode, which, as we just talked about, I have no problems grinding in dungeons and having a good time. So Mm -hmm. this is a win-win for me. And then I can, even though they haven't announced American dates and anything like that yet, I believe we can rest assured it's going to come west because it's yeah. Persona 5 did so well over here, and he's had many interviews. Well, Atlas and them have had tons of interviews on how they were completely shocked with how well it did over here. Mm. And so I think we're okay in knowing that it will come over and we'll get our hands on it. But like I said, it might be like an entire year later, which makes me extremely sad. And plus, we've seen all of the Persona 4 spinoff games. We saw the dancing game. We saw two fighting games out of that. I'm not 100% sure how well they did, but we did at least get them. And like you said, everyone loved Persona 5. We got the first Persona Q game. I'm pretty sure all of these are going to be coming out in the West. I'm excited. Maybe a little bit less so for the Persona 3 dancing game because I never played Persona 3. I know a little bit about it, but not a lot. So... That that might be like a, a discount pickup for me, but absolutely going to grab up Persona 5. And, hey, if I can get Persona on a 3DS and take it with me, hey, I could be playing it at work, crawling through dungeons with my favorite characters, my favorite characters from 4, and people from 3 who I'll learn about via that game. That just sounds amazing, dude. Mm-hmm. I will say, before we end, that, end everything here, I will be very sad, though, because my romance, God bless Kawakami, She's not a main character, so she probably That's won't true. be in the 3DS dungeon grind. So the love of my life in the video game won't be there. <laughs> That's true. I have seen people say that about the dancing game and the and the dungeon crawler, is that, well, all the side social links aren't going to be there. But, I mean, all your main characters are going to be there. That's right. Your you best know, buddy, I'll go Ryuji, hang out with Makoto. It's not, no, not Ryuji, no. You're going to be hanging out with Ryuji, kicking butt, acting like crazy fools, riding bikes. Screaming and yelling for no reason constantly, yeah. Yep, that's how you do Mm -hmm. it, man. Yeah, perfect. So as you guys can tell, we're fanboys here, and that's because of, well, for me, for sure, it's because of one game, Persona 5. Matt here has played Persona Mm -hmm. 4 as well, so he's kind of got a little head start, but I can't stress enough how awesome that game is, and then these games, more than likely, are going to be just as awesome. So if you want to get interested and invested in a whole world and a whole entity of a game, hey, mm-hmm. start playing some Persona. I guarantee it'll suck your life away and you'll love it. I was going to say I'm pretty much going to guarantee that you're going to love it because even Persona 4 back in the day was phenomenal. I couldn't imagine something being much better than that, and Persona 5 was that next level of better. So if you want to get in on a Japanese role-playing game, Definitely go with the originals, and then you're going to want to expand your horizons and get dancey and get dungeon crawly with all these new ones coming And then start following it up just like we're going to be doing. Oh, yeah. Like I'm right now staring at that screen just going, please, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So other than that, unless you got anything else, it's time to wrap it up. Let's wrap it. 
Imposters Wrap Up. So, of course, this podcast is brought to you under the Third Shift Network. So if you guys got any questions for us, any concerns, any suggestions, if you just want to say hi, if you want to send us a mailbag question, you can do that via email at info at thirdshift.me. You can tweet at us at thirdshiftme, and you can find us on Facebook under Third Shift. Heck yeah, we also have a Patreon set up if you guys or guys, gals are interested. We have it set up like a tip jar. If you like what you hear, please head over, throw us 50 cents, throw us a buck. Any money you throw our way is just going to go into making the podcast and things we do here at Third Shift better. If you don't have any funds, cash, we understand. Money is money. It's tight and tough for everybody out there. Throw us an email, as Matt said. Throw us a comment. Throw us a like on iTunes, Facebook, any of those things. Just it helps us out in any way you can because then we get a little bit bigger, get one or two more people in our ears, and the world is good. And speaking on the Patreon, I did just throw up a patron exclusive blooper episode. So if you want to hear us sounding like absolute morons, so if you want to hear Eric saying so a lot, if you want to hear me totally butcher alive the we'll be back in your ear holes segment, that's that's up there. So throw in a buck, throw us a tip. If you were gonna do it anyway, hey, here's a little bonus for you. And, like Eric said, you can find the podcast on iTunes. You can also find us on Stitcher and on Podbean. And if you like what we're doing, please give us a rating, a review, a like, a comment, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services because it helps us out. We appreciate it. And we'll be back in your ear holes on the 22nd of August for our very next edition of IG2G. And with that, Eric, unless you got anything else... Hey, don't, don't forget, forget to, to save. save. Danny's like, what the fuck is this shit? You guys are supposed to be way smoother, cut out everything unnecessary. God damn it. I feel like, you know, give her a good one this time so that way when it does get easy, then she's happy instead of yeah, there we give go. her a real smooth one the first time and then screw it up next time. Then she's pissed. Cause, oh, yeah, there we go. See, perfect. Yeah. Set expectations. <laughs> <laughs>